0: Hi everybody, Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Locked On Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome into to another episode of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. My name is J.J. Jackson. Excited to have you here with us on this Friday, January 5th, 2024, Lockdown Blue Devils is your daily podcast devoted to everything going on in the life of Duke Athletics. We're going to talk about this basketball winning streak that the Blue Devils are on. Duke football head coach Manny Diaz is putting his coaching staff together. And who better to break it all down than our good pal Connor O'Neill from Devils Illustrated, who will join us on today's show. If you have not done so already, please be sure to follow and subscribe to Lockdown Blue Devils for free wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Also, you can watch the show on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button to our channel. Your support means so much when you hit that button for us. Like these videos. Comment down below your thoughts on the Duke team so far this season. Share these videos with your friends as we are always trying to grow this Lockdown Blue Devils community. And if you haven't done so already, give us a follow-up on X at LO underscore Blue Devils. I'm there as well at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. So without further ado, let's bring them on in. Excited to have Connor O'Neill here with us for the first time in 2024. Happy New Year, team, my friend. Good to see you again.
1: Thanks, JJ. Appreciate it. Um, it's a it's a good start to 2024. <laughs> yeah, it's early.
0: Yes, it is. It is early, but uh, enjoying these first few days so far, and uh, enjoying no shortage of headlines. Whether it be uh, ACC play year underway, we've got, of course, uh, the college football transfer portal window uh, taking place right now. Coaches going into place for Manny Diaz and whatnot. So. A lot to sort of break down and talk about here with you. But we start with basketball today. Now five consecutive wins for Duke, including a twenty point victory the other night against Syracuse. Kind of what what's what's the feel around this Duke basketball team right now, would you say?
1: The feel right now is they've You don't want to say turn the corner. I mean, the sky wasn't falling when they lost back to back games. Um the way they lost those two games was pretty disheartening. I mean, those were two really uninspired performances. I know they got close at the end, but I mean, the Arkansas game was was a 15-point blowout until they got hot late and uh, losing to Georgia Tech. I mean, that's a first-year coach. That team is not going to be any kind of contender in the ACC and and dropping that game the way they did late with a couple breakdowns was was pretty terrible, but... You know, I, I I think where this team is right now is they've they figured out the blueprint um, to steal John Shire's term after both the the Charlotte and Hofstra games, and uh, it's it's really kind of simple. It's just a team that needs to share the ball and move the ball and create uh, better shots for for their teammates, and and it's one that has to be active defensively and. Man, if if they if they can take this brand of Duke basketball that they've played with the last five games and take it on the road in the ACC, you know they can they can steal a road win back uh, this weekend going to Notre Dame. Um, they've really got a, a pretty manageable first part of the ACC schedule here. I mean, the the toughest game they have is at Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh's the only zero and three team in the ACC right now. It's, a, it's an opportunity to really get their legs further under them to keep rolling along. Um, I don't know if you expect Jared McCain to shoot f- over 50% from three for the rest of the season, <laughs> but, but that's what he's done in the last five games. Um, they're, they're getting March Jeremy Roach three months early. Um, he looks great. So it's, it's just a matter of sustainability right now, and keeping this thing rolling is, is kind of goal number one. Hopefully
0: they are able to keep this thing rolling because we're having a whole lot of fun watching this team. And you mentioned sort of the offensive display that we've seen from time to time. What we saw in the second half was outstanding, not missing a three-point shot. Uh, The overall field goal percentage was sky high in that half, sharing the basketball. uh, is something that we had talked about a little bit throughout the week, and I'm glad you mentioned that. Let's go back to that in just a little bit. But I'm more interested uh, on the defensive end of things because I haven't done a good job focusing enough On that, And a lot of lineup variations have taken place for the Stoop team, and it's really easy to talk about, okay, who's the different ball handler? Who's taking more shots here? Who's kind of not found their right spacing out on the floor and whatnot? But there, you would think, are challenges that come with that on the defensive end of the floor when the lineup is changing so much, when you've got Proctor coming in and out of injuries. Uh, What have you thought overall about this defensive unit?
1: It's a defensive unit that like like we've said, um, yeah, we keep we keep banging this drum since really the summer. Um, you don't have to have a rim protector to have really good defense in college basketball. It helps when your rim protector is is somebody like Derek Lively, but it's not a it's not a requirement, it's not a necessity. Um you, you you just have to play better in other areas, and and that's what they're doing. They're they're limiting the straight line drives, um, stay in front of your man, play good help defense. Um, it's it's all there in what they've been doing. Get get deflections is a huge part of it that really goes unnoticed because there's no, you know, the only people that track uh, deflections throughout college basketball games are the managers, and we don't exactly get access to their stats after these games. But um, that's a big part of it. And when when you have active hands, when you're limiting driving lanes, uh, when you're playing some passing lanes, that's when you get out in transition. And that's what leads to that easy offense. That's what leads to the Jared McCain transition threes that he says are his favorite threes to take in the world. The, the ones that John Shire says are, are Duke threes. Those are the ones that he grew up watching Duke take with J.J. Redick. And he went down memory lane uh, after the Syracuse game. But Really, it's it's just a, you know it it's it all comes back to what what you don't have from last year and playing differently and and that goes back to the preseason when we're you know I'm I'm there at Charlotte in October and asking John Shire if he's gonna have to play differently and he said yeah but you know that's that's kind of a good thing um, we can he basically said Duke was a one pitch team last year um in terms of the way they played and this year they have different pitches um they have they have a curveball they have a changeup. um they can they can play some different ball screen coverages and mix things up defensively uh we even saw them you know that was the that was the cool thing they only did it for a couple possessions but on uh on tuesday night one of the two teams played some two-three zone and it wasn't syracuse (laughs) and it's it's a little less of a it's a little less of a kind of um fun stat because cause Duke has obviously played a lot of two three zone in the last years under Coach K. Um he picked it up. doesn't the story go that he picked it up from coaching the Olympics with Jim Beheim? Um and his friendship with Jim obviously goes back way back. But yeah, Syracuse played man to man. Um Duke played a little bit of zone in the second half.
0: Whatever it takes. To your point, you could you could throw the different pitches. You've got different looks on the defensive end of the floor. A lot has been made and was made about the back end of the defense. What it looks like with Philip uh, Filipowski sliding down a little bit, and then uh, Mark Mitchell obviously uh, talked about his great defense all of last season, but a little bit more specifically on the guards. Tyrese Proctor uh, has been praised throughout his Duke career for being such a fine defender, but he missed a couple of games following that injury. The other guards in particular, whether it be Roach, McCain, Foster, what's kind of the pulse of how they've been doing on the defensive end?
1: I was really surprised to see Jeremy Roach get the starting assignment against Judah Mintz the other night. Um, Maybe I shouldn't have been with Tyrese, not in the starting lineup. Uh, I guess you want the senior guard to be on their best player instead of one of the freshmen, but – I thought Jeremy held up really well. Um, that's kind of an area that we don't really talk much about Jeremy, but I, I think he's a little underrated. in, in his defense, um, he's he's got quick hands. Like he he's poking balls away. He's he's kind of making things difficult um, on on opposing players. And it's just it's it's within the little fabrics of the game that you don't pick up if you're just looking at box scores and trying to find out how many seals he had or how many blocks he had. Um, he's a really savvy defender that that comes with being a fourth year guard. He's he's seen a lot of college basketball over the years. Um, Jared McCain is stout. Uh he's he's just he's the most physically built freshman guard I've seen in, in a little bit. Um yeah. nobody nobody quite measures up to what Trevor Keels looked like as a freshman, <laughs> but but Jared's right there with everybody else. Um Caleb Foster's long. Uh, he's six five. He he gets out and gets rangy. Um, I think consistency is just the main thing I'm looking for for Caleb Foster. Like he comes out some games and you think, oh man, he's he's really something to build with. And then you know, like Tuesday night, he kind of got lost in the shuffle. And and Tyrese Proctor had a had a good second half, and the offense was flowing a little bit better um, with Tyrese out there.
0: Well, we're certainly going to be talking more about that defensive for the Duke basketball team, but uh, offense, as you said, has been uh, pretty impressive, including that second half. And Jared McCain is a big reason why. I want to talk a little bit more about his individual performance and other key Blue Devils when we take our fir- after we take our first time out here on today's episode of the program. Lockdown Blue Devils here today is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. This weekend, we will see the NFL regular season. Coming to a close, but there's certainly still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. New customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use. They've got so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays. The new Explore tab is terrific, where you can find those bets, make a parlay, and the Parlay Hub the best way to find those popular parlays, and so much more. So go ahead, do us a favor. Go visit fanduelcom slash Locked On. You will not regret it. fanduelcom slash Locked On, and make your first bet a layup. Fanduel is an official partner of the NFL. Moving forward here on today's episode of Lockdown Blue Devils, alongside Connor O'Neill from Devils Illustrated, I'm J.J. Jackson, uh, duke.rivals.com, Devils Illustrated. Tell us a little bit about your coverage, Connor. I
1: oh, mean, we got a lot going on. Um, yeah. we're, uh, we're in the thick of it with with basketball season, game previews, game coverage. Uh, every game is, is up there. Um, those previews are designed to make you smarter. You know, you can – you can watch the Duke game and and be thinking about, okay, who's this team's leading scorer and check out the preview. And it'll tell you all about what they've been doing lately. Um, it's set breakdown matchups for you, all that good stuff. And then on the football side of things, I mean, Manny Diaz is, is basically got his staff together. He needs one more position coach who, I mean, at this rate might be announced in the time that we record and, and get the podcast out. Uh, they're, they're coming fast and furious. So, We've got a lot going on at at, uh, at Devils Illustrated.
0: Yeah, make sure you go check it all out. A lot of good stuff. Join the community. Uh, I'm over there and certainly love reading Connor's coverage, uh, the way he's breaking down these games. You make me feel smarter after I, I leave watching the game uh, with the thoughts that I've had. So uh, you mentioned kind of the next stretch coming up for the Stuke team, and it's going to start this weekend at Notre Dame and then uh, at Pittsburgh. So we saw a hiccup from the Stuke team earlier in the season when they had back-to-back road games Against Arkansas and Georgia Tech, true road games. That is now they kind of know what to expect. But what is going to be to steal John Shire's term, the blueprint to kind of get back right for Duke in these next two games?
1: Yeah, and that's something. Uh, actually, I just uh, a little bit ago wrote it into the preview that I'm working on for Saturday. Um, Kyle Filipowski mentioned that you know last year they they did struggle on the road trying to find that first road win for a while. Uh, they lost. I think the first one was at Wake pre-Christmas. And then they yeah. came out and around around this exact date last year is when they got blown out at NC State. And uh, then they barely scraped by with a win at BC and then lost another two. Um, one of them was Virginia Tech. The other one was Clemson. So, look, winning on the road is tough. I mean, it, ACC, uh, ACC road teams are 5-12 and 12 this year. And two of those wins are NC State scraping by at BC in overtime and stealing a win at Notre Dame where Duke is about to go. And, and Notre Dame has a home win of, I think, 22 points against yeah. a Virginia team that we all thought was really good. So it's it's tough to go on the road and win in the ACC. That's, that's not new information. It's always a little tougher for teams that are young. And uh, this is where Duke's, you know, They're not an experienced team, but they're more experienced than most teams we're used to seeing for Duke uh, in the last decade or so. So this is where that experience has to pay off. This is where you need to rely on your sophomore trio. Um, You need to you need to kind of lean on them. Um, You know, the last time Jared McCain had a bad game was the last time Duke was on the road at Georgia Tech. So. This is a spot that you need to you need to have some veteran presence and um, look ACC road wins. What they really do is set you up to maximize what you can do in March. It's it's all about tournament seeding. You don't want to be going into the NCAA tournament only having finished you know third or fourth in the ACC, and so you get dinged for that. And instead of being maybe a two or a three seed, you're a four or five or six seed. And you're playing somebody really good in the first round and then the second round. And and that's, you know, not to, not to make everything about last year, but that's what happened last year. And that's why Duke was not a Sweet 16 team last year.
0: Yeah, in so many ways, when you look at sort of a, a condensed schedule, condensed meaning what we're used to seeing in the professional sports model, where there are just so many games on top of one another, You really can get bit in a lot of ways by some of these earlier games in conference play. We certainly see teams uh, get hurt by non-conference play when selection Sunday comes around and that sort of thing. So I do think that's a great point in terms of making sure you can kind of take care of business in these early games in the contest. If Jared McCain continues to play the way he has over the last five, however, I I think Duke's going to be in a pretty good spot on the offensive end of the floor, Connor.
1: Oh my God. I mean, yeah, I just – I put a uh, – I've got a roster construction thread for the 24-25 season <laughs> on on my board at Devils Illustrated, and I I updated it yesterday, actually, and said five games is a big enough sample size for me to say that Jared McCain is probably a one-and-done player. <laughs> um, not to rain on the parade, not to, not to make anybody, you know, sad about how well he's played, but, man um, – he has a translatable NBA skill right now with his three-point shooting. And it's just its a matter of I, I think he only needs to see one go in and then you know the next two or three are coming within a couple minutes. Um, it's just such a pure shot. It's so repeatable. Like the mechanics of it are just so clean. It's such a quick release. Uh, everything about it is is just – he's a pure shooter. Um, he is He is so valuable in that regard. And God, I, I think he's made more threes in the last five games than he did in Duke's first, what would it be? Eight. Um, and he's shooting it above 50%. It's, it's 17 of 32, I think in the last five, um, just ridiculous consistency. And I mean, when he gets hot and when he gets rolling, it feels like every possession Duke has that doesn't end with the ball in his hands is kind of a wasted opportunity. Um, and and you you know he's not gonna like I said you know he's not gonna shoot over fifty percent for the rest of the season, but as long as he's doing it now, yeah. you just keep rolling. You just, yeah. you just keep dialing him up. It's like a it's like a running back. Um, as long as he's ripping off these these games, you just keep going back to him.
0: No kidding. No kidding. Not only the outside shot, some of the finishes that we've seen from him lately putting the ball on the floor, because I think you're so used to him shooting the basketball. These defenses are uh, over committing oftentimes. And then McCain's able to kind of drive right by you or in transition, he's looked pretty comfortable kind of making plays around the rim this season for Duke too.
1: Yeah. uh, Shout out to, to Brendan Marks of the athletic. I sit next to him on press row at Duke and, and he pointed out, um, I think his first shot in the last couple games has been an elbow jumper uh, early in the game. I know it was the first bucket against Syracuse. Right. And that uh, Brendan pointed out, that that's probably just a rhythm thing that John Shire calls a play early to get him one shot. Uh, make sure he doesn't go through the first like four or five possessions of a game, feeling like he's detached from the game plan. And uh, that's, that's kind of what you do yeah. to, to get a shooter gone um, and, he doesn't take much to get going. So, yeah, he, and and he's a really smart kid. Um, he knows that after he's hit a three or two, defenses are going to be a little more anxious and eager to close out on him, and that's going to give him a lane to pump fake and drive past people. Um, he's, he's a special player. Um, it it kind of got lost in translation when they lost Ma- Mackenzie McBacco. He was the top-rated recruit of this class. Uh, we didn't really know whether it would be Jared McCain or Caleb Foster as the top guard uh, in this freshman class. And really, I mean, both of them have been outstanding uh, for being freshman guards on a, on ex- on a more experienced team. But I, I think Jared has kind of exceeded expectations in what they would have expected from him. And, and he's he's been that good for, for these last five games.
0: No, excited to see how he continues to play on the offensive end of the floor. Excited to see him hyping up Cameron Indoor Stadium as he's already been able to do as a freshman, which kind of speaks to the energy uh, that we've got there with him. And then uh, on top of that, I, I want to talk about another offensive player for the Duke Blue Devils, and uh, that's Mark Mitchell. You've been known, thro- following you throughout the course of the games. You're the double-digit uh, point scorer. Uh, follower for him and this past game there's a career high 21 point outing there for Mark Mitchell so what he's been able to do on the offensive end of the floor Connor is pretty great too
1: yeah man I there we we pay so much attention to his three-point percentage I think it's down around four percent now he's one for 22 on the season and it really distracts you from the fact that he's doing everything else offensively better than he did last year uh he's He's slashing more. He's cutting more. uh, He's attacking the rim with a little more ferocity. Part of that comes with playing a different position. Like he was the three last year. He's the four this year. Um, Out of necessity, he had to play the five because Kyle Filipowski, Ryan Young and Sean Stewart all had two fouls in the first half against Syracuse. And the one time John Shire wanted to put one of them back into the game, Ryan Young picked up his third foul. So like, I, I get it. Like, Mark Mitchell's shot has never been fundamentally a thing of beauty. Um, it went in last year. It's not going in this year. I land on – I would have him keep shooting. It, it's, it's the same shot. It's bound to go in. I don't think he's going to be a 35% three-point shooter this year. I don't think he's going to – law of averages that thing out and make, like, 70% over the next 13 games or whatever. But – like he he is he is doing things as well as he did la- or better than he did last year. And uh, look the the stat is up to twenty three and two when he scores in double figures. Uh, it just it some of it is is a little bit of a niche stat. Some of it is you know okay he had ten points and he got the last six in garbage time when this game was over. Um, other times I think that stat really shows you that Duke is at its best when he is slashing, when he is attacking, and when he's aggressive. It opens things up for the guards. It opens things up for Kyle Filipowski. A lot of times, Mark Mitchell's dunks come off of interior passes from Kyle Filipowski, and that's what Duke needs. And you know, the I I'm still in the boat. I think the three point shooting is going to come. But until it does, they're, they're still getting a lot out of Mark Mitchell.
0: Excited to see what more they can get out of him when those shots start falling from the outside because I'm the average's guy as well. We saw it last year. So at some point, you think somehow, some way, it'll start to click and they'll begin to fall again.
1: Yeah, it's just – it right now, to me, it's more confidence than anything. Yeah. Like his shot and the mechanics of it are, are unchanged. Um. It's the same shot that he was shooting last year. So that to me tells me it's a confidence and it's a, it's a mental thing. And you know, those, those are, those are the types of things that are solved in season. Like you can develop confidence in the middle of a season. You can't fix the mechanics of a shot in the middle of a season. That's, that's a summer task. And that's what I put on my board yesterday. Like that. And, and if you want to, if you want to debate and go back and forth of whether it was a missed opportunity six months ago for him to fix his shot, yeah, that's that's probably a valid point and a valid concern. And but it doesn't do us any good in January to talk about what they should have been working in on in June and July. Uh that's something to be talked about for what can be done in the next June or July. Right. And then that's a matter, of, you know, we'll we'll figure out if he's working on those things going into his junior season at Duke or going into the NBA. Uh, we just don't know that yet. But you can you can snap out of a, a confidence, um, you know, down period or, or whatever you want to call it. You can do that in the middle of a season. And I think I still think that's coming. Um, I, I don't think you I, I don't think you look at it and say, okay, Mark Mitchell's not allowed to ever take a three pointer unless Duke has a twenty point lead. Um, he's got to take shots within the fabric of Duke's offense, and at some point they're going to start falling again.
0: And we're excited for that to happen. It's Duke and Notre Dame coming up this weekend, a road game for the Blue Devils. Let's take one more break, and then we'll start to wrap things up after this timeout here on Lockdown Blue Devils. Lockdown Blue Devils here today, brought to you by our friends over at Fan or Game Time. Excuse me, as Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. You can see the view from your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. All-in prices show your total upfront, so you're getting a great deal before you check out. Buy tickets in seconds with two taps. The game time is obsessed with finding ways to help you save money on tickets. GameTime has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event and even an hour after it starts. It's the place to find last-minute seats. The game time guarantee means that you'll always find the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. That's crazy. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code locked on for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Redeem code locked on. L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. <laughs> Let's wrap up today's episode of Lockdown Blue Devils. Once again, alongside my pal Connor O'Neill from Devils Illustrated. All right, you mentioned it briefly earlier. I want to kind of circle back. We've got uh, this coaching staff kind of coming together for Manny Diaz, who will go through his first spring and then first football season coming up here in the new year in 2024, leading the Duke program. So uh, really curious your thoughts on the coordinator hires. I think that's what a lot of people uh, were talking about. There's questions whether or not – uh, Tyler Santucci and Kevin Johns get to be retained and held in those positions. But uh, a couple of new names are coming to Durham to take over those coordinator roles for Manny Diaz.
1: Yeah, and, and both of them make a lot of sense when you kind of dig into the backgrounds of, of each one. Um, offensive coordinator Jonathan Brewer comes from SMU where he was working under Rhett Lashley, who was Manny's offensive coordinator when Manny was at Miami for three years. So, you know that he knows the air raid. You know that that offense is going to be spread out, throwing a lot of passes. Um, and that's that's kind of what you want. Like, he's, he's, a, he's a young offensive coordinator. Um, that's kind of one of the themes of the staff so far, uh, even when you dig into more of the position hires. It's a young staff. Um, I think Manny is older than every Manny's 49 years old, and I think he's older than everybody he's hired other than one. And that's Gabe Infante, Fonte, and wow. Gabe is Gabe is fifty, so he doesn't have Manny by much. Um, yeah. it's it's a really young staff. It's gonna be it's gonna be an energetic type of staff that wants to get out and recruit. Um, that's kind of the the theme that I I feel uh, when I look at the backgrounds and that kind of thing. Um, the defensive coordinator, Jonathan. Uh, we, we had a debate on the Big J Little J show about how to pronounce his name, and we ended up <laughs> one with the. Going with a Google Translate, I think the Andy Patka. Okay. Um, it's P-A-T-K-E. That's this is where I always go to uh, for my main job requirement. I only know I only need to know how to spell it. I don't need to know how to pronounce.
0: Exactly. It. Um,
1: but he's another one that that has a lot of Manny Diaz ties. Um he comes from Texas State, but he was with Manny for all six seasons that Manny was in Miami, three as a defensive coordinator and then three as a head coach. And he also worked with Manny when he was at Louisiana Tech in 2014 and Mississippi State in 2015. So, like, there's so many connections when you have football staffs that are so large. Everybody has basically worked with everybody, I like to think, or everybody knows anybody. Uh, It's it's the Kevin Bacon six degrees of separation type stuff. But when you can hire people that you're familiar with and that you know – can get on the same wavelength, uh, that's that's going to be pretty pretty crucial when you're uh, putting together a staff at a new place.
0: Those two most recent hires and Infante being one of them, I, I remember reading on, on your website, Connor, the ages specifically, but had not been able to kind of connect the dots that, wait a minute, all of these guys really are younger than, than Manny Diaz. That's a great point.
1: Yeah, they're – I mean, it's – It's kind of funny. I'm 34. And so I started thinking about that stuff a little more uh, with coaching hires. And I used to think about it when, you know, Rory, Rory, I always equate it to Rory McIlroy because he's a month older than me. And when he's out winning majors and I'm sitting around (laughs) at at home with nothing to do on a Sunday, it's like, man, what am I doing with my life? Now I see it when I, when I read about coaches getting hired and it's like, oh, okay. Uh, This guy's been at like,
0: been in a stop just, or two
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah he's been at five different places and he's already a power five uh assistant coach and he's a year older than me uh what am I doing with my life
0: <laughs> oh that's fun all right and then last thought quarterback Malik Murphy uh the big kind of transfer portal uh commitment that Duke has seen so far former Texas quarterback what does this mean uh what can we possibly expect from Malik Murphy this season?
1: Yeah, uh, I'm I might I might put myself in a little hot water here. Um, I, I was kind of surprised that they went out and got a quarterback. Um, I thought Grayson Loftus showed enough in the last month and in the bowl game to be a quarterback worth building around for the future. Um, I understand everything about going out and getting a Malik Murphy, like, he is an elite athlete, he is a he projects as a really good quarterback um he was good in two starts for texas this year uh byu and who's the other one kansas state i think right it's just it's a matter like i i get all the parts of Manny Diaz has a relate has a prior relationship with the kid if you have a chance to go out and get an elite quarterback to start a program with um you you take that shot it's like, it, it's like the Dylan Riolà stuff going to Nebraska. Like, there's there's one shot at a kid like that um, with those types of connections. Then there's no guarantee that you're going to get another swing. So, you might as well take it. I just – I look at it as, like, when, when Elko came in, he was taking over a quarterback position that did not have much promise. Like, we did not know Riley Leonard was going to be that type of guy. He had one start, and he looked – pretty average at Virginia tech in his freshman season. Right. We all thought Jordan Moore was, was going to be maybe the quarterback cause he could run better. Sure. And, and then it turns out they didn't need Riley. Like they didn't need to go out and get a quarterback cause they had Riley. I, I think Grayson Loftus could have been that for this staff. Um, and there's no guarantee that he won't be like if, if it's a, if it's a legit quarterback battle, then Grayson and, and Henry Beeland will have every shot to win the job. I kind of hold out some skepticism of whether it will be that type of competition or whether it will be Malik Murphy is is our guy. We brought yeah. him here to be the starting quarterback. He is the starting quarterback. But, but we'll see in the spring. Um, I just I, I think that I think that it's a little bit of a superfluous addition. Uh, that's the word that I kind of landed on during the ball game. I think Grayson Loftus could have been the guy to build with for the future, and uh, we'll will like time. Only time will tell if if it's a if it's an addition that makes your team better, and and you're able to keep either one or both of the returning scholarship quarterbacks, then you're probably better off doing it. If it costs you them and you have to bring in more quarterbacks that are unfamiliar with Duke. And inexperienced in college, I I kind of question whether it was really necessary.
0: I love that, though. Sometimes you take the shot, it'll go in. Sometimes it won't. Other times, and so it uh, looks like that's what Duke's doing in that quarterback room. Well, Connor, great stuff as always. Fun first conversation with you here uh, in 2024. And looking to many, many more in the new year. Thank you for stopping by here today, man.
1: Thanks, JJ. Appreciate it.
0: All right, that's Connor O'Neill joining us here on today's episode of Lockdown Blue Devils. Please go check out his work. It's awesome. Duke.Rivals.com. Make that a part of your daily digesting of Duke athletics. It's good stuff always. That's going to do it for today's show. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you soon. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you, and good day.